Ephesians 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Today, we put on the sixth and final piece of this whole armor of God, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And of the six garments within the armor, this one, the sword of the Spirit, is said to be the only overtly offensive weapon within the armor. All the rest are primarily defensive. And that is true. However, it's also true that God is always the first cause, the initiator of all that takes place on the earth. And never just a defensive responder who waits for men to first do the things that they do and then reacts to their behavior. Not at all. And because that's so, all of God's weaponry is both offensive and defensive, able to meet all of the needs of every circumstance as we stand firm against the wiles of the devil. So then, consider, as we take up this sword of the Spirit in hand, we are now fully equipped and prepared for the battle that's being waged against us by all those principalities and powers and evil ones from that realm of darkness. We have girded our loins with truth, Christ himself being our truth. We have put on the breastplate of righteousness, Christ's own righteousness being imputed into our breastplate. We have shod our feet with a preparation of the gospel of peace. Christ himself being the power within and the solid foundation of the gospel and also he himself being our peace. And we have taken up the shield of faith to extinguish all of those flaming darts of the evil one. Christ himself becoming our shield. And then we put on the helmet of salvation. The very name Jesus signifying that he will bring salvation to save his people from their sins. And then finally today, we are taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And with the sword of the Spirit in hand, every provision has been made for the protection and the safety of our souls. And please may we understand that the purpose of this armor is for the protection of our souls. Because just as it was with the old servant Job, when we come under attack from the evil one, our bodies may very well suffer greatly, as did his. But not so our souls. Our souls belong to God, and he will preserve them. 
here in today's passage, as we are told to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, we know that just as Jesus gave clarity to his disciples by using parables here, in these words, he's providing the same visual clarity to our minds with the use of these words, such as the sword of the Spirit. And being a visual thinker as I am, I immediately identify with his metaphor. But again, may we remember that such is not so for the mind of an unbeliever. Onlookers listen to these messages such as this and they have no understanding of what we're talking about. Just as an unbeliever is not able to put on any part of this armor of God and just as Jesus, you'll recall, intended for his disciples to understand his parables but not those unbelieving onlookers that might have been listening. Neither is the unbelieving mind able to comprehend the precious truths visualized in these words that we're talking about here today and the power that's within God's word. These words instructing us to take up this sword of the spirit which is the word of God. These words, listen, these words are only for committed seeking believers in Christ. They are the only ones that will truly benefit from these words. Jesus often said, let those who have eyes to see and ears to hear see and listen. And thanks be to God, as believers, our eyes and our ears are open to see and to hear God and His intention with these words. Now, a curious thing. This expression, the sword of the Spirit, is used only once in all of these scriptures. And that is right here in this passage. And because that is so, may we recognize that God has a specially intended purpose for saying it this way in this context. Note first that the words sword of the Spirit clearly tell us that the sword belongs to the Holy Spirit. The sword belongs to the Holy Spirit. Now in other messages regarding the Holy Spirit, we've learned that yes, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to men. Spiritual gifts to each of us as we receive Christ as our Savior. Gifts such as prophecy and teaching and preaching and serving and helping and on and on. Gifts intended to be used by us for God's purposes. And in Romans eleven twenty nine, we read that those gifts are irrevocable. Once God gives them to us, we have them. But spiritual gifts are not to be confused with spiritual fruits. Fruits of the Spirit belong to the Holy Spirit. They are forever His. And they are never actually ours. They are not ever given to you and me. For us to have and to enjoy the fruits of the Spirit, we must have Him, the Holy Spirit, personally abiding within us. And we must allow Him to have free reign within us. Not grieved, not quenched. It is then and only then that His fruits of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and on and on can be displayed in us. And that is so also with this sword of the Spirit. This is the sword of the Holy Spirit. His sword, not ours. It is never ours to possess for our own, but is part of who the Holy Spirit is. And like the fruits, to have His sword 
we must have Him personally abiding within us. Otherwise, the words within this Bible are not much better than an academic exercise. Providing a little knowledge, yes, but not much more. That's why as we listen to those highly learned academics spouting their what these scriptures call the wisdom of the wise, though they may be able to fluently speak the words of these scriptures, their words are meaningless to them. They are nothing more than brilliant fools. But praise be to God, though you and I may be far less learned. Because we have God's Holy Spirit abiding within us, we can know and we can understand things far beyond anything that we could ever hope or imagine. And we can have wisdom that surpasses all understanding. I confess to you that in conversations with people, I wonder at what I just got through saying. I'm not smart enough to say those things or to know those things. But they came out of my mouth. And I thank the Lord for them because that's what this is all about. As His beloved sons and daughters, you, you and I have a very special privilege of being able to carry this sword of the Spirit everywhere we go throughout the day. But now, a caution. With privilege comes responsibility. Yes, wielding His sword of the Spirit in battle each day is a great privilege. Truly a great privilege. Saying words that we ourselves would never have dreamed of saying. But the use of His sword also carries with it great responsibility. It is God's Word. It is God's sword. And as a Christian soldier, we must learn and know how to use His blessed sword ever so carefully and ever so accurately. And yes, along with the imputing of His righteousness into our souls, the Spirit of Christ will also give us all of the help that we'll need in our learning of all these many things within this Word of God. But as these words clearly tell us, we also must be diligent to do our part. We must, each day, every day, carefully and intently take up this sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we must carefully and intentionally write it upon the pages of our hearts and receive it into our minds as food for the soul. By these words of God, we are sanctified. We are set apart for the purposes of God. If we had not read those words, we would not know that. And by these words, we take part also in the sanctification of others by giving them these words of God. Jesus prayed in John 17, Father, He said, sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so as you and I share the word of God with other people, we are taking part in their sanctification. What a joy and what a privilege that is. This is the preparation that God both desires and requires of you and me. First for ourselves to be equipped. And then for us to go ahead and step on out onto that battlefield each day. Covered with His armor and wielding this sword of the Spirit. The equipping as well as the use of the sword is ever and always by His power. And you and I can take comfort in that.
But may I say again that it also requires real work from you and me. Real work from you and me. We are to diligently study and learn these precious words of Scripture, daily opening the pages of this book, allowing the words to flow into our minds, our hearts, our souls, and our spirits. If we will surrender ourselves to doing that, then we'll be amazed at what will flow out of our mouths as we are called to be witnesses for Christ. Listen to these words from Matthew 10, beginning in verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. What a great comfort. But may I say that some have confused these words and thought that they were being told that they did not have to spend much time in the Scriptures. That God would provide them with the words that they were to say when it came time for them to be a witness. But not so. Not so. We are to be diligent. These Scriptures, there are a multitude of Scriptures that tell us otherwise. We are to be diligent to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing out the words of truth. Just as Jesus was tempted by Satan, with Satan twisting the words of Scripture to suit his own purposes, so also the demons of this world will try to confuse and beguile you and me by twisting the Scriptures. And if we have not been faithful and diligent to study and to learn God's Word rightly, then we might never know, we might never realize that we're being beguiled. But if we are diligent in our study of these Scriptures, God will be faithful to guide our thoughts and efforts as we engage in the sword fights of our day. Folks, may I encourage us to know that these words of truth are trustworthy. And they are applicable for every circumstance of our daily life. And may I say exactly as they are given to us within these Scriptures. Exactly as they are given to us in these Scriptures. Why do I say that? It's because many among us do not agree with that. Some even who claim to be devout believers in Christ do not believe that. Many of them with their progressive thinking That's the new word today. Instead of being called liberal, they are now called progressive. So with their progressive thinking, they believe much the same about these scriptures as they do about our Constitution and about our nation's laws. They insist that some of these biblical truths are no longer relevant to our modern circumstance. Demanding that we change these truths so that they better fit with the culture. But may that never be. May that never be. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 16, we read, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God's words are his breath. They are his very breath. They are unchangeable truths that do not and cannot vary in their meaning or their effect, in their given condition and meaning. They have power beyond imagination. So we must leave them exactly as they are. It is only these words of the gospel in their given condition that has the power to save souls. You and I don't have to be clever in how we deliver that message. We only have to deliver the message. The power is in the word itself. And we dare not change it. When God used this metaphor of a sword, He used it for a very important reason. And you and I have to be willing to be guided by it. The metaphor involves a soldier. A soldier has to be diligent in his training so that in the heat of the battle, he'll know how to correctly use his sword. And that is so with you and me. So also must we be just as diligent in our training regarding these words of truth. And again, as we mentioned a moment ago, this word of God is able to accomplish God's desires and purposes, not only as a weapon of offense against the enemy, but is first able to change our own hearts. That's where God starts. He starts within our own hearts. In Hebrews 4, we read one of my most favorite promises from God. Let me read those words for you from beginning in verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now note those last words first. Verse 13, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. If you and I are willing to truly open ourselves up to the power of these words of truth, an amazing but very difficult result will take place. God will expose us not only to Himself, and He will do that, but He will also expose us to ourself. By that I mean we will find out more about our own self than we have ever known before, just from reading these words. And sometimes that's really hard to deal with. For myself, I immediately found out that I'm a wretch, that I am a total wretch. Now sometimes when people find out things like that about themselves, they get afflicted and they go into fits of depression. That's not God's intended purpose. He simply wants you and me to see ourselves as we really are. And then for us to repent. Repentance is the best remedy for any and all manner of sin. So as you read these words, as you prepare yourself, be prepared also for God's Spirit to do some painful work within your soul. Back in verse 12 of Hebrews 4. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division 
of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Again, this is a work that first begins within our own hearts. And it will be the source of power for all sorts of changes within us. But so also, when used in the way that God intends it, it's a powerful weapon to pierce and make changes within the hearts of other people that we'll engage with each day. Now this may sound strange since the context of this message is Christian warfare against forces of evil. But listen, your Christian family, your Christian co-workers, your Christian neighbors are often under attack in the same way that you are. They're being overrun by the demonic world, being influenced and provoked to take part in wrong behaviors. And you seeing it taking place. And this precious sword of the Spirit is the best weapon for their defense and for their help. And you're being called to be that protector. Now as for the unbelievers that we'll encounter each day, this word of truth that fills this precious book are also the perfect weapon to pierce their resistance. And it's being put there daily by the world, the flesh, and the devil. But imagine as you engage in conversation with even the staunchest of unbelievers, this sword is able to pierce down deep within their defenses. Again, I want to caution us not to depend upon our own clever conversation. We need to simply give these words of truth in the way that they're given. And they will pierce down deep between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. And you and I need to understand that they may still walk away unbelieving, but they will surely have been changed by that conversation. And that's what God is calling you and me to do. That's what God is calling you and me to do. We are simply to use this weapon that He has given to us, and He will take care of the rest. One final thought, a reminder of what We've just been saying, first, yes, your and my words might be clever, but they will never, they will never be clever enough to accomplish the purposes of God. Only His Word filled with His Spirit can change the hearts of men and women and cause them to turn to Christ for salvation. Because of that, you and I need to be diligent in our study. This is our first obligation You and I need to be diligent in our study of God's Word. We are to write it carefully upon the pages of our hearts so that it's there. And then when we are cast out there into that battle, onto that battlefield, the right words will come out and it will save men's souls. If we're willing to do that, then we will be trustworthy soldiers on the battlefield that God puts us on each day. Let me read these words as we close. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.